Welcome to the podcast where relationships, confidence, and determination all converge into an amazing heartfelt experience. This is Speaking from the Heart. Welcome to part one of episode 26 of Speaking from the Heart. And yes, it is another two-part episode, and I am really enthralled to share Matthew Rhoda with all of you. Matthew is the founder and co-owner of rotamarketing.com, which is a digital marketing agency that serves clients nationwide. He's also the co-owner of singer57.com, S-I-G-N-E-R 57, and that is a pro-America and pro-freedom apparel and lifestyle brand. He's also the founder of the battlefieldalliance.com. He has a published book called How to Take Down Goliath and Unleash Your Inner Hero. He has a loving and beautiful wife, Helen, which we will certainly talk about a lot more in part two about her influence over Matthew's life. And they also have four children, Carolyn, Amelia, Lily, and Miles. When he isn't spending time with family or working on all these different businesses that he has, you're going to find him in gyms or even running the trail. And that is something that we really get into during part one. Not only talking about the businesses that he has started, but why he has started all these numerous amounts of businesses in which all add different value. But I will say this. This sets up the premise for what we'll eventually talk about, which I will share with you on the other side. But until then, let's go to the episode. All right, we're here with Matthew Rhoda. Matthew, thanks for sharing your heart with us today. I appreciate being here, man. I'm excited to share on this journey with you, man. Absolutely. This has been a journey and I know all about that when it comes to all the things that I'm doing. But when I'm looking at your bio, I almost ran out of breath because of how much you're doing. And the audience heard a lot about specifically what you're doing. So my very first question is, when you have all these things that are going on in your life right now, what do you say is the most important thing, if there was an important thing, that you enjoy doing the most? And why is that? It's an extremely easy question for me to answer. And as you kind of got about three quarters of the way through the question, I got my angel bumps. People call them goosebumps, but someone I'm very close with and I love and admire calls them angel bumps. So I now refer to them as angel bumps. But family. Answer is family first. I. I love building businesses. I love helping people succeed in business. I love fitness and nutrition, all the stuff that you read on my bio. But without family, all that would just kind of crumble around me and it would mean very, very little to me. So what do I love the most family? What do I love doing the most? Spending time with my family. That's an awesome answer because for me, I don't have that family other than my parents and things of that nature. Yeah. I'm a single guy and hanging out there. So I know that for some of us that are listening to this, it can be challenging to maybe have that inspiration. And yeah. I love hearing that. With that said, I had a guest on a while ago that we talked about his gym and we talked about fitness. My question to you is, since you do a lot of fitness also as part of your endeavors, mm -hmm. what do you say is the most important advice to somebody that is starting out? Maybe it's been a few years. And maybe that person is me who's asking yeah. you that right now. <laughs> yeah. And you're trying to get that momentum going. What do you say to them to help jumpstart or really defibrillate that opportunity for them? Yeah. So I think the most important thing to start with is know why you want to accomplish that or why you want to start doing that. Because without that purpose and vision of who you want to become and why you want to become that person, you're going to 
start down the path and then the smallest little headache or hiccups is going to completely derail you because you don't have that strong purpose pulling you. And then once you know why that is, for me, it's creating daily disciplines and it's sticking to those disciplines, whether I'm motivated to do them or not. It's just a matter of, hey, you know, for me, it's working out twice a day. As an example, this afternoon, like four o'clock rolled around. I really did not want to work out because my family was gone. I was just hanging out on the couch, working with my laptop. I was like, oh, I just want to stay on the couch and continue to work. But I knew I wouldn't be as happy with myself come later tonight, knowing that I just made a decision not to work out because I felt like in the moment I didn't want to work out. So it's know why you want to become that person and have that vision of who you know you can be and then create daily disciplines that, that you know you can stay consistent with. And then obviously the finisher there is stay consistent with it no matter what. Just do not allow yourself to derail your own efforts because that's your biggest enemy will be you on that journey. That leads into a great question that I thought of as you were saying that. So with that level of consistency, I know that you said family is a big, important factor for that. So even with all that said, what drives you to do all this? Because obviously you could work on one of these things and say, Mm -hmm. this is where I'm going to spend my time in. But you're spreading yourself so that you can make as much maximum impact as possible. So what motivates you then? You just said the word, which is impact. I live my life on a daily basis to plant as many seeds of positivity as possible. And I do that by what I consider living a life where I'm leading by example and I'm doing my best on a daily basis to lift others up. So the more I can have my hands in multiple things, and again, making sure I'm executing on those things to a degree of where I find self-satisfaction in it, but also create some kind of success, whether it's a feeling that I get that generates from what I'm doing or financial success or helping others success, whatever that definition of success is in those endeavors, making sure that it aligns with my purpose. And when it comes to fitness specifically, I want to be around as long as humanly possible for my family. I got started late. You know, we had our first child. I was 35. We just had our third and fourth. They're twins. We're going to turn one in three weeks. We just had them last year. So I was 40 when they were born, or I was 39, about to turn 40. I'm kind of late to the game in terms of fatherhood. So I'm going to be the 60 year old dad who has like kids, like just finishing high school. And I'm cool with that. And I embrace that notion. But I also know with that comes by standards of like you live to a certain age and most people die at a certain age. I want to make sure I extend that as far into the future as possible because I want as many years on this earth with my family as I'm able to be blessed with. I'll say this. My parents also had me late. I was the last child of really three kids. I had a half sister. I also have a fully related sister, but they had me late too. And I know that for them, especially as now I just turned 36 earlier this year, I know it can be very tough for us to take care of my parents or get involved, especially as more recently, they had a lot of health issues that related to what they were going through. Even with that said, I being a fitness person that you are, I almost want to call you a fitness expert. Just looking at you, you make me feel like (laughs) my muscles are quivering and I need to work out. It's like, let's do this. (laughs) Yeah. No, I'll never preach to you, but yeah. No, no, absolutely. No, please preach to me because my gym owner that Buddy that would probably be listening to this would say, yeah, you need to listen to him. You, you need, need to get yeah. back in here right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even with that said, being a fitness expert, I see that, especially in America, which most of my listeners are from, we're really worried about as we get older, there's a lot of health issues. And I feel mm-hmm. like even as a society, we're 
still battling a lot of those health issues too. I, I actually suffer from obesity as a result yeah. because of just poor choices that I've made. So I'm just one of those statistics. Yeah. So with all that said, what are your thoughts about this big epidemic, especially in America, maybe even some parts of the world when it comes to overeating, yeah. even having poor choices when it comes to food options? What is some of the advice you would give to a client of yours that is working yeah. with you? I would say the best thing I've ever done with in regards to my relationship with food is I've started viewing it as fuel. So to me, what I'm putting in my body yet, and I eat, so I'll give you a real quick breakdown of what I eat on a daily basis, 95% of the time. All right, it's, I'm ready. I'm going to write yeah, this down because yeah, I know yeah. this is going to help me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ground beef. I eat a ton of ground beef, probably like half a pound to a pound a day, crushed up. And I put salt all over it, feta cheese. To me, it's delicious. Like I look forward to it. And I'll eat yogurt, so whole fat yogurt with peanut butter granola on it. It's like my favorite snack in the world. So I look forward to that. I eat like two bowls of that a day, one bowl sometimes, but depending on how intense my two workouts were, sometimes I get two bowls in. Uh, and my wife is wonderful. She cooks almost every night of the week. So I have like a homemade meal and it's nine times out of 10, it's pretty darn healthy. And if there's a piece of it where I don't need a thick, creamy pasta tonight, cause it's not fuel, I'll say no to that. And then I'll choose beef again, or I'll have some chicken or something like that, like a lean protein. And then fruits, sometimes it's blueberries with honey. Sometimes right now, watermelon just came in season. So I crushed a huge bowl of watermelon before this podcast, like <laughs> it's fruits. So I would say when you look at food as a source of energy for your body to then go out into the world and do the good that you want to do, you have to be operating at your own peak level. And in order to do that, you have to give your body peak fuel. I used to yo-yo with my diet until I got pretty serious about it, which would be like Monday to Friday, pretty disciplined, Saturday, Sunday, like completely off the rails, cheeseburger subs, ice cream, chips, like as much chocolate as I could find. Like I love candy. I love the sweets. I love sugar. Unfortunately, it's a drug. I say no to it because I don't want to give it control over me. It's kind of like a struggle for power in some ways. And it's like, am I going to let food win and be more powerful than me? Or am I as the human being and like the one in control of my destiny, my fate, am I stronger than food? And when you look at it like that, for me, it's kind of giving food the middle finger sometimes it's being like, you're not going to take me off my path because I would it taste good right now. Of course, for the next 30 minutes, I'd be salivating over a cheeseburger sub. It would taste so delicious. But an hour later, I'm going to be like, I didn't need that. And it didn't fuel me in any positive way. Yeah. And I know that I've made those choices myself. Oh, that cheesesteak looks really good. Smothered yep. with onions <laughs> and mushrooms and cheese yep. and the sauce. Oh, yeah. I know what you mean, because those can be all tempting aspects. Yeah. And it's encouraging to hear you talk about operating at your peak flow, because I talk about that with many of my clients that I have relating to life coaching, where, yeah. where they're looking at essentially changing their perspective. And sometimes that perspective has been with negative fuel. So yeah. they're essentially not feeding themselves with the thoughts that are necessary. And I try to work through them that. Not only is it something that you can help establish good goals so that you're helping yourself get back on that track, but you also have healthy relationships. Yeah. But that makes me want to pivot on what you also do. I know that you run a digital marketing agency firm, and I had a guest Correct. before that talked about fractional CMO and all those great things that he works in that sort of business. Tell me. What makes you stand out from many digital media companies? Because I'll be honest, 
I can yeah. give a shout out to my media company right now. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, it's not you. Maybe you can yeah. make a case to me to switch. But <laughs> yeah. I think that all of us bring a unique flair when it comes to marketing. I'm just kind of curious, what's the backstory with that for you? I love your question. And I enjoy answering this question because I always say you could walk outside, throw a rock and hit an agency at this point, a marketing agency. When I started this business in 2010, I learned everything in San Diego where I moved after college, brought that skill set and knowledge back here, started the business with my brother in 2010. There was like one or two agencies locally that we were competing with, but it was kind of like the Wild West out here. Now, all of a sudden, everybody is a digital marketing expert. And I respect that. And I have more power to the marketplace for creating that need and then having professionals want to help other businesses grow. So I'm all for healthy competition. What I've always said differentiates us because all the techniques are generally the same. You run Google ads, you do SEO. And as long as you do the right things, you're playing the game properly. You got to post on social media. You got to be responsive with your reputation management. Like you got to do email marketing to nurture the leads. There's nothing groundbreaking that I can share in terms of like, here's a strategy we implement that no one else does that gets all the results, but I can't share it with you because it's our secret sauce. The reason we've succeeded for 13 years now and grown every single year, except one, we had a little bit of a dip, but 12 out of 13 years, we've grown incrementally. It's the relationships that we build with our clients. Point mm -hmm. blank, plain and simple. We treat our clients like family from day one. They know that their success is our success, that we're in it for the right reasons, because if we don't help them make money, they're not going to continue to pay us money. So like selfishly, but not really because our intent is pure with that conversation is we want to help you succeed. We want to be your partner for the next 10, 15 years. And we want that partnership to kind of overflow from just a service provider into friends. And those are the clients that we have that we enjoy working with the most are the ones that I've got on my cell phone that occasionally we text back and forth. They invite us to their Christmas parties. Like it's a genuine relationship that we've built with them as opposed to just, here's a check. Here's your tasks that we completed. Good luck out there. Like we really intertwine ourselves in their personal lives as well. When you're saying that you treat them like family and you intertwine them and you're actually interacting with them, does that mean you're sending thank you cards in the mail and saying, hey, congratulations, thanks for your business, or yep. hey, I know that you're having a kid. Good job with having that kid. I mean, yeah. obviously it's not like that. Yeah, but... so you bring it up like, I have to write this tomorrow. We just got a new client and it's a buddy of mine who's been friends on Facebook for a couple of years. We hired his firm to do some stuff for some of our clients and they just hired us. It's a handwritten thank you note. Just again, that extra mile. We know they're having a birthday. It's happy birthdays. It's they had a kid. It's all the best sending flowers. Like we just had a, and she's not even a client anymore, but she's a good friend of mine. She was a client of ours. Her father-in-law just passed. It's sending flowers to her because it's human to human. Like that's the right thing to do. Whether or not she ever comes back and pays us, I don't really care. It doesn't make or break our business, but that friendship means something to me and letting her know that we genuinely care means something to me. So it's those extra ways, extra touch points that are outside of business that let those business owners know that we're not just in it to collect a paycheck. It's kind of like your show speaking from the heart. It's a heart to heart connection. And that's to me, service-based business, product-based business, friends, family, clients, whatever. Like if you connect heart to heart, it's worth it. It's genuine and it's worthwhile. Matt, I'm touched by that because even for myself, I often think about what can I do to make an impact without feeling like I'm intruding or mm. I'm making a negative impact on that person. I'm just curious. Have you ever had somebody say, why are you doing this? Why the time? Why the effort? Because 
I'm sure that there are skeptics out there that are, that are essentially saying the direct opposite of you and yeah. saying, well, that's not making your bottom line look any better. I know you said that it's been growth 12 out of those 13 years, but my guess, my question is, why is this motivation coming from you? In other yeah. words, why are you doing that from your heart? To yeah. actually ask you the literal question of this show. Yeah, it's the right thing to do. And I, maybe I was born and raised, I say more raised that way, but born intuitively with that instinct to do that and live like that, but also then raised by my parents with the you know, very solid upbringing, respect each other, do what's right. Even if no one's watching, do it like all those, what I call like fundamental good human being qualities I was raised to kind of embody and to be proud of more so than sports victories or good grades. It was like, be a good person is like number one on the list of things my parents wanted all four of their kids to grow up to be. And again, I say selfishly, but I know that's not it, but it makes me feel good. Like, why do I do it? Because it makes me feel good. And then because of that, then I instinctively believe that they also feel good. And then when they extend opportunities, like our one client who's been a client for years, she's an audiologist. If one of our kids has like an earache, she'll come over, pick up her kids from school. She'll come over to our house with her kit and look in their ears to see if we should go to the ER if they need some drops or whatever. And she invited us to a Christmas party on the Strasburg Railroad, like all six of us. It's just, it feels good. Like, why do I do it? Because it feels good and it feels right. And that's, I operate every part of my life like that, whether it's relationship with my wife, my kids, this conversation with you, if it feels right and it's a good intention, go all in on it. I often say to people too, that it's not just about having the touch points, meaning, well, I'm going to get out my phone Make sure yep. I schedule some time to follow up with Matt because yep. I know I need to. It's yep. about the random times. It might be eight o'clock at night. Yep. It might be doing it three o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday and saying, yep. hey, are you okay? I haven't heard from you in a while. And I want you to know that you are being thought of right now. And that's really important too. Absolutely. I know that I struggle with that. That's something that I'm working on myself personally. And that has helped me so much with just fostering some of the friendships that I have maybe tainted or have created some of that toxicity. Because let's face it, we're both humans and we do that. Yep. It makes me think of this. So when you were talking about your parents and this upbringing, I know you started an apparel, a lifestyle brand. I want you to talk about that. But I want you to wrap it into, did your parents have any influence on this in terms of indirectly of why you started that? Because when I was reading this and looking at your website, I'm thinking there has to be a reason also to venture into this. Because, I mean, doing fitness that we've talked about so far, talking about being part of marketing, why feel all this apparel stuff now? <laughs> like, it yeah. just boggles my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I can't take credit for having started Signer 57. That's my buddy, Jeff, my business partner. He started it probably like six months and he was running with it. He is an immigrant from Canada who's now like a legal citizen of the U.S. But that was, I should know this, but I think like maybe seven or 10 years ago, he became a citizen. He really deeply appreciates what America stands for and the freedom that it offers him. That's why he started it. And he also is a patriot through and through. And like, he can't stand to see kind of like the direction part of the country's heading in and some of like, the overall messaging being shared and all that stuff. So this was his planting his flag in the sand and being like, this is what I stand for and I want the world to know it. I saw him posting about it a couple of times and through a group that I'm part of, Apex, I reached out to him. I was like, hey, Jeff, like, can I get in on this business? It embodies who I am. 
the vocal, I want to be vocal about my pride in America, being a good dad and father and like just that true patriot. And he was like, yeah, dude, let's join forces and let's do it. Did my parents have anything to do with that? Either of my parents were entrepreneurs. I had no business owners in any of my family, like extended family. So I never got the bug from any of them. I had to learn it on my own when I went out to California and I realized there's a whole different world out there besides the nine to five. But I think again, why do we have that relationship with our clients heart to heart? I think that's a lot to do with how I was raised and how great my parents are and were. But same thing for the apparel thing. Directly, no, but indirectly, yes, because they raised me to be a strong, independent human being and think for myself. And they encourage that for me to now like plant my flag and say, I'm pro-America, pro-freedom, I'm pro-making your own choices, I'm pro-constitution, like all the above. I love saying that. And I said that during the beginning of COVID and through COVID, and, and I took a lot of arrows for from people being like, a lot of negativity was spewed at me and I was fine with it because I know who I am. I know I lead from my heart. I know I live with good intentions. I know I want what's best for everybody. And if my message is perceived by others in a different way, that has more to do with how they're perceiving my message and what they're doing with it internally than the intent that I was sharing it. My parents indirectly have a fingerprint of solid print on everything that I do in my life. I love the fact that you said just now that these are the things I believe in. I'm standing with them. And this is an easy question then to tie into all this because you're absolutely right. There are people out there that would absolutely vehemently tear you down. And here at Speaking at the Heart, we don't judge based on any of that because I think everybody, no matter what your background is, is truly important for you to see your true version of yourself. That's the mission of your speaking yep. voice, the business that I started earlier this year. I think we're all entitled to that. So I work with everybody. Absolutely. And obviously, I don't condone violence or anything of that nature. And I know that for many people, they often think that that's the answer. So my question is this. When you are getting that hatred, especially with representing what your business partner, Jeff, had started with the arrow business, does that make you feel like sometimes you take a step back and say, you know, I don't know why I made this decision. I really don't think this was a good idea. Or do you have any self-doubt? And if you do, what's the script that you run through? Or what are some of the talking points that you give yourself? Or maybe you have somebody else that you talk to about this that kind of puts it back into perspective. Can you yeah. walk us through what that is? Because for my audience, I think it's really helpful to learn about what some people do to process that because some of us don't even have a structure to begin with. And mm. I think it's really thoughtful and considerate to hear you say this. And I really want to hear your thoughts on that. So I'll give you a few minutes for that. Does it cause me to doubt the decision I've made? Does like the negativity and call it hate because some of it was very hateful that spewed at me for two and a half years when everything was pretty public eye and everybody was agitated by everybody and no one was, everybody was the enemy of everybody. It was just a bad spot to be in. No. I never like to me, I'm very self-confident. Like I know what I stand for, why I stand for it. And you can't sway me off that path. You would have to take like a tractor trailer and like blindside me for you to knock me off my path. That being said, did it affect me? Yes. Did it majorly affect me on a handful of occasions? I'm very transparent. Like there was one or two times I went in, like I was showering and I just started crying. And it was because I can't believe people are saying these things about me. Like people I went to high school with direct messaging me saying like, you're this, 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 and that. And I'm like, 
no, I'm not. Like, I can't believe A, you think that B, you're taking the time to send that to me. And I'm very good at, I kind of walk around and like live with like what I consider like a force field bubble around my energy field. Like I allow in what I want because it feeds my soul, feeds my purpose. And if it's negativity and it's not helping me grow and I'm not feeling fulfilled by it, I'm very good at deflecting and just not letting that energy get into my space. That being said, when it's constant and it's vile and it's like, you have to open up the message, you don't have to, but like you see a message, you open it up. It's kind of like, oh, I just saw it. Like I just absorbed it, whether or not I wanted it, I just got it. It did seep through, like some of it made its way through. And, you know, I'm like, a, I am a sensitive human being. Like I sense my way through the world. Like I use my feelings to make decisions and stuff like that. So being wired in such a way that it definitely had a couple of times where I was just like, this sucks. I want those people to know my intent and like, how do I express that? And after the one like pretty big cry session in the shower, I reached out to one person that was an online enemy of mine for like two years. And I did my very best to like, I know we disagree. Like I tried to like extend the olive branch and like let them know that like, I want what's best for them. And like, I know they don't agree with my views and how I'm sharing a message and stuff. But like, I think, you know, me as a human being, like embrace the good in me. And even if it's there's a little bit what you consider bad. Is that really worth saying all this negative stuff and tried to navigate those waters to no, you know, avail, but that made me feel okay. And that's how I process it. If I don't let stuff stick in me, like that negativity, if it gets in me, I meditate every day. Starting this year, I started reading the Bible once every day. I read a devotional. I'm always outside with the dogs walking, getting sunshine and fresh air. So I just constantly pour good content in and feed myself good content. So in those rare moments that negativity does accidentally get to me, it's quick in and out. Like I don't wake up the next day with it. I don't carry it with me for days or weeks at a time. I'd be lying if I said it never got to me because of course it does, we're all human, but I've done a pretty good job creating some thick skin over the years and still being kind and caring and sincerely wanting what's best for everybody else. Wow. I am blown away by that answer because many people would be, well, I'm just going to just delete them and not you have anything to do with it. Or I'm going to yeah. hit the delete button on this message. I just don't want any of that negativity. Or they isolate themselves. They ghost. That yeah. is a really popular yeah. concept nowadays where you just don't hear from them ever again because you really offended them and they don't want to say anything back. This leads into something that I saw on your website that directly feeds into this. And it's one of your favorite quotes, and it's from Stephen Covey, where it says, what you do has far greater impact than what you say. Yeah. Can you tie that into what you just said? Because I think that has some big ramifications for my yeah. audience. It's living, it's leading by example. I could get online and share all the motivational quotes, and I could say all the right things, and I could inspire people with my words. But if I always say, if there was a fly on the wall watching me live my life on a daily basis, do my actions match my words? And if they don't, and all I'm doing is sharing words, I have no substance to myself. And I don't believe in myself. So therefore, I'm not succeeding in the ways that I am and being fulfilled in the ways that I am. Because I look in the mirror and I go, you're not who you say you are. You're not tapping your potential and you're kind of coasting through life. And I couldn't do that. I have that accountability mirror. It's way too like daunting for me to stare at every day. I just don't let actions they're very i take it very seriously like my actions speak for who i am and that's why i say these people are like back to the other question like two years of like you're this this and that i'm like 
okay, because I said these words, but if you would watch me live for a week or two days or whatever, like you'd see that like how I interact with people is not what you're saying I am. And there's a disconnect. So for me, I don't care how people, what they say they do or how they talk or messages they put out via words. I want to watch what you do and how you do it on a daily basis. And I'll base my judgment on your character based on your actions 100% of the time. I want my audience to have a vivid picture of what I'm watching right now. And I want the audience to really see this because it's really important for what is really the mind picture that we're drawing. So for my audience, this is what I'm looking at right now. I'm looking at Matt, who's like muscular, fit, has his life all together because I could look at it from thinking his life is all together because of the many things that I've seen. And I'm thinking, man, this guy's really accomplished. And now when I hear this and I'm listening to it, and I'm thinking, oh my God, he's just as human as me. He has broken thoughts and things that break him down too. And he cries just like I do. Mm-hmm. I never met another male that cried. You know, it makes yeah. me think of that. And that's the old stereotype that we have about what we think are need to be really tough. And it's not really true because we have to keep pushing through, which yeah. leads into another question I have for you then is with all of that going through your head and you're thinking, wow. I am doing this stuff and I am making a difference. What would you say to someone else that's going through something similar and they're taking these messages, they're probably at the same place as you, and they're like, I don't know how to handle this. Is there any advice that you would give to somebody that is listening to this that might be helpful? The person who's doing the right stuff but getting hated on for perception? Yes. Um, Man, it sounds oversimplified and it's almost like it can't be that easy, but for me, it is know who you are. To me, it's as simple as that. If you know who you are and you operate from a place of integrity, and again, you just know who you are, what others think of you means nothing to me. This podcast could be over and I hope it's not the case, but you could, you know, call your buddy and be like, I just talked to the most pompous asshole I've ever met. And like, that's not the case, but like, if that would be, that happened and your buddy is a mutual friend of mine, he calls me, he's like, dude, Joshua just said, and I'd be like, that sucks. But I like, on to the next moment in my life, because I would be like, I didn't intend to become, you know, that, and I really was speaking from my heart. And if it was misinterpreted or I just shared it incorrectly or whatever, that's life. I move on from it. So no matter what people say about me, so long as I can look myself in the mirror every morning and know the kind of person I am and know what my intent is and purpose is on this earth, it really rolls right off my shoulders. And to the listener who might hear that and go, good for you, like that must be nice. It takes years of building who you are and becoming that confident in yourself and being able to say, I know who I am. I know what my purpose is. That's not something you wake up tomorrow. You read a Facebook post and you're like, oh, I know who I am and I know my purpose. And now words don't roll like all the negativity will roll right off my shoulders. Like Matt talked about last night. Oh, life is much easier now. You're delusional if you think that it's that easy. For me, I started this self-awareness kind of self-development journey. I feel like when I was like 15, 16, when I started going down to rabbit holes, drugs and making all the wrong decisions till my early 30s, it was 16 years. But during those years, decade and a half, where I was making a lot of bad choices in life, I was still doing the inner work and I was still analyzing myself. And I was still a very good person in terms of loving others, caring for others, being generous, like all the human qualities that I should have, I still had. But I'm talking 20 years now of like being on this journey where I can say, you know, to you when you ask me that question, Why doesn't it affect me? Because I've spent two decades of my life doing the work. And because of that, I'm extremely confident in who I am and what I bring to this earth. And because of that, someone's fleeting opinion of me, 
how could I possibly let that impact who I am or like the energy that I exude on a daily basis? I've spent two decades of owning my energy and building my purpose. What someone thinks about a 30 minute conversation and wants to label me something, feel free. I had to break this episode into two parts because as soon as he said about his drug addiction, I knew that we were going to have a longer conversation as a result. So that's why we broke it into that pivotal moment where you're going to have to wait for part two of this episode to learn a little bit more. I want to share with you what I learned so far in this interview that I think all of us can take back and even think about what are some of the things that we can do in our lives. And I love that Matt talked about what you want to accomplish. It's about having those daily disciplines. And it's not just about the gym aspect, which we focused on quite a bit in our first part of the interview. We talked a lot about even the things that are fueling ourselves. When we have that fuel that helps us to keep on going no matter what, those are the things that help surround us with good, positive vibes. Those are the things that help us to keep moving towards our goals. And I know for many of us, trying to have that consistency is something that if you think that you can do it all by yourself, great. But I'm going to tell you that there will be one point in your time, whether that's 30 days, 60 days, 180 days, 365 days, it doesn't matter how long it will take. It will happen where you're going to need help. And trying to get that discipline will help you if you have the right things surrounding you. And a lot of people struggle, especially when I meet with certain clients that come through my business about having the need to continuously discipline yourself, to have yourself so that you keep on stepping forward. And I love that Matt talked about his parents and his upbringing about doing things right. I think that helped so much to accelerate those disciplines growing up. But as you will learn in part two, there was actually so much more to that conversation that I didn't even realize at this point when I hit the, the stop button and thought about what I had learned at that point from him. I think it all comes back to the fact that we all learn different things when we're growing up, especially as a kid. Those are the things that we carry forward. Those are the things that push us into creating some of the things that are consistent patterns that we do throughout our lives. Those are the staples. And we have to remove those staples sometimes because when we get older, we realize that that's not really the best thing that has helped us now. I have often read from a few authors about the need to make sure that you are not doing the same things that you were doing as a kid into adulthood. Because when you're an adult, things change. The same things that you do growing up is not going to be the same things that you do in the present. For example, would you cry to your mom saying that you lost your job and ask her to intervene? Would you ask your father? for $100,000 so that you can have a really nice six months off from work or even put a really nice down payment down on a house that you're thinking about buying so that you don't have to worry about it and never pay him back. Does it make sense to have a friend in which you are continuously asking them, let's go outside and play ball, but also shirking the responsibilities of taking care of kids taking care of 
chores, taking care of your overall responsibilities that you have in your life? I think for a good majority of us, the answer would be no. And if you are one of those ones that are saying, yes, I have a question for you. Have you talked to Matt lately and realized that maybe you could be creating some of that value that he's doing as a result of realizing what that potential is? I love the fact that he got into talking about what America really means. And I know that I have some listeners overseas, and you might often hear about country pride and having nationalism and having things of that nature. I'm not here to talk about that. What I am here to talk about, though, is Matt's sincerity, the conviction that I heard from him about this and what that apparel company that he had with his co-owner, Jeff, really helped to establish for not only for the things that he's doing now, but what has set him up in the past to become who he is. And that was really inspiring to hear because sometimes we feel that we have to meet these other expectations. We have to push ourselves into what society really is. And I always say to my clients, is it about what other people think or is it about what you think? And that's the biggest distinguishment that we have to make for ourselves. We don't always have to think about the things that are happening in our lives right now as things that we need to appease somebody else. And I lived that life for a very long time. And I will tell you, that got me down to the paths that I had gone through in my own life that were very toxic. They were not appreciated. They were things that were definitely holding me back from seeing what I could potentially become. And I'm still sitting here today thinking, why did I ever think that way? But when I heard Matt start to share a little bit more about him and his sensitivity and realizing that I wasn't looking at that muscular guy that was on my screen, I started to realize a lot more about even myself. For those that don't know me and have never met me in person, I am overweight. I have been overweight for the longest time. And that was because of poor choices that I've made growing up and I continue to make as an adult. And I know that I need to continue to try to change my mindset with it when it comes to that. So for those that are struggling with weight and struggling with body image, I know that struggle is real. When Matt was talking to me about his human-centric approach of just being there to cry and that sometimes we need the things to feed our soul so that we don't cry, so that we can feel better about it. I often think about the fact that, hey, I'm a male. I'm supposed to be not crying. And that seems to be the stereotype that even to this day still is part of our psyche. I'm here to tell you that that's not true whatsoever. You have to read good content and you have to fuel yourself by reading that good content in order to be able to realize that you can start the process today. And Matt was adamant. It takes years to get to that point. And I think that we all have to remember that this is not a journey in which you do something for 24, 48, 72 hours and say that you are now transformed. Sometimes habits take a long time to fulfill. That means having something that you actually do consistently over and over again becomes a learned habit when you realize that it creates so much opportunity, so much value, so much success. Those are the things that are often difficult for us to overcome in our own mind. 
And we have to push ourselves to understand what that important level of responsibility is when it comes to feeding that. Sometimes even drugs create that. I know that for many of us, we struggle with the vices that we have. And I think that when you realize that you have control of what you put into your body, it isn't just the food. It isn't just the physical activity that you exert on the outside, maybe with a trainer or maybe with somebody else. But when you start to realize that you can market yourself differently and you can start to realize what your true being is if you're willing to accept the responsibility of changing that mindset, the possibilities are endless. I've shared that in so many different episodes now with so many different guests, but the point is, we have responsibility for those choices. And if we're able to take those choices and we're able to push it into the next level, and you're realizing that you can create something of value that you enjoy, you can do anything you want. And Matt certainly explained that in this episode about the importance of being able to do as much as you possibly can with the time that you're given on this earth. I have to say that when we get to part two, you are going to be surprised about what Matt shares with me and how this journey actually started from something else that I would have never imagined. But until then, thanks for listening to episode number 26, part one of Speaking from the Heart. And I look forward to hearing from your heart very soon. Thanks for listening. For more information about our podcast and future shows, search for Speaking from the Heart to subscribe and be notified wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit us at www.yourspeakingvoice.biz for more information about potential services that can help you create the best version of yourself. See you next time.